Man, the way you just word everything is just so beautiful. Everything you say is a poem. Oh God! Well, at least I'm at least I'm uh, living up to my reputation then. Welcome to the Humans of Amplify podcast, made by the Amplify Youth Advisory Committee. For anyone who doesn't know, Amplify is an arts and culture festival for youth from St. Albert that also runs year-round programs. We are your hosts, Caden and Ash. Today we're interviewing Julia Sorensen. She's a poet from St. Albert who coaches the PK Poetry Club and does other fun stuff around the community. Hi, Julia. How are you today? <laughs> I'm great. How are you? Oh, you know, it's raining outside and all I had to eat was porridge today. So, you know, as good as that can be. Uh, do you mind telling our uh, listeners who you are? Uh, yeah. So, like you said, I'm Julia Sorensen. I'm a poet from St. Albert. I've coached the PK Poetry Club for three years now. Uh, and we, yeah, we meet every week at PK during the school year. Um, I'm also a U of A 2020 grad, woohoo! And I am St. Albert's 2020 and 2021 Poet Laureate. Nice, that's pretty awesome. Uh, why did you start writing poetry? And why do you still enjoy writing it? So I, I started, it's funny, I started writing poetry um, for a school assignment and it just kind of stuck for some reason. Um, I, it just really spoke to me. I had been writing lyrics and like songs and stuff like that um, way before that point. Um, but yeah, that's, that's why I started writing poetry is because um, a teacher made me do it, which was great because here I am. Um, I kept writing it, though, because, like I said, it did just kind of speak to me. It um, is this really useful way, I think, to very concisely get your thoughts down um, somewhere in a, in a, what I feel is a really productive way. Um, it's also... Although it's hard to say when you start and stop writing a poem because the writing process is really like murky and it's hard to define where it begins and ends. But um, because they're shorter than lots of other writing, it feels more concise. And it's, I think, very satisfying to just like have that creative urge and then be like, okay, I can put this down um, regardless of whenever I started it in my head months or years ago. And then it's there. And then... I'm kind of satisfied by that. So I guess that's kind of why I've kept writing it. I also feel that I've continued to write poetry because it's sort of expected of me now. It's an, it's like a piece of my identity. And people are like, you're a poet. And I'm like, yeah, I guess so. So how do you cope with that kind of pressure, I guess? Like everyone looks at you and they're like, oh, she's the poetry person. Like, how do you handle that kind of pressure, I guess? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's pressure so much because I actually enjoy it. Like it is, I'm fine with that being a part of my identity. Um, I don't have any issue with that. I don't, yeah, I don't feel like there's lots of pressure. I also don't feel like people expect a lot of poets anyway, or like 
the stereotype of poets and poetry is very kind of like flaky and um, superfluous maybe. I completely disagree with that, but that's kind of the reputation. And so really um, the bar set low, I guess. I don't know. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I guess when we did PK poetry, like uh, a lot of people tell me that like poetry is just like complaining into the mic for a bunch of people and then walking off the stage. So how would you like explain it to someone who thinks that way? <sighs> yeah. I don't know. I think that someone who has that kind of um, perception of poetry is not a person you're going to convince immediately. Just like when someone's super convinced of something, when they hold a certain set of beliefs, like you can't have one conversation and then change their mind um, if you ever can. And so for people, I don't know, if someone thinks that poetry is just complaining into the mic, like, and I, and I want to put in the time and labor it would take to have them change their mind. I would probably go about it in maybe an indirect way um, rather than just being like, no, you're wrong. Poetry's great. Read this. Write this. Like, that's not going to convince anybody of anything. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I would just probably encourage them to to join poetic spaces more often and also to understand that there are very, very many different poetic spaces. Um, lots of, well, maybe not lots, but I don't know, some poetry is designed to criticize things, um, complain about things if you want to use such a dismissive verb as complain. But other poetry is designed to celebrate things and examine things. And so maybe someone who thinks that poetry is just complaining into a mic has a limited definition of what poetry is. Very well said. That's very poetic. Uh, what's your uh, <laughs> biggest influence, would you say? So um, since that question is so vague, like I'm just going to I'm going to use how vague that question is. Go ahead. Um, I don't know. I have had, I've had like the pleasure and maybe privilege of really, really enjoying my education. Um, like my whole education in generally, but, um, specifically my university education. I know I have friends who really hated it and <laughs> continue to hate it. And some of them are just met about it. Um, but I really, really enjoyed my university education. And I, I had lots of professors who were so, so great in teaching and knowing what to teach and when and how to teach it. And I've learned lots of like life lessons alongside academic lessons and theoretical lessons. Um, and I don't know, had to deal with some tough things as well. So that's been that's been really useful. So probably some of my instructors and professors have been really huge influences on me. Um, also, lots of music is hugely in, um, influences how I write and what I think is a good way to write or what speaks to me. So yeah, I just, whenever I hear um, artists who just know how to write lyrics, it just gets me. Um, first, 
Yeah, probably uh, the first thing that comes to mind is Frightened Rabbit. Like I think that um, the lead singer of Frightened Rabbit could just really write lyrics. So, so good. I don't know why nothing else is coming to mind right now. But, oh, um, also, yeah, The National, of course. I don't know how I could forget that, but The National's uh, lyricist is so, so good as well. So yeah, music is also a really huge thing for me. Like if I, if I like how an artist writes lyrics, like that's gonna speak to me especially, which is kind of funny because some people have beef with whether or not lyrics are poetry and like to draw really <laughs> dark lines like that. But I don't know. I don't think that's a super useful practice. Um, do you have like a like a favorite like piece of writing or like song or something that you've like looked up to or like that has influenced you? Oh, <sighs> hmm. Um, yeah, Bonnie Vare is really good for that as well. Like there's, so there's, it's funny cause there's a number of songs that I consider some of my favorite songs, but they're, they're not the ones that I think are lyrically the best, which is also really interesting. Um, so in that way, music is, is different than poetry because um, if a song's lyrics, if I like a song, but I don't think their lyrics are as good as in another song. Would I like that song more? It's it, yeah, it's kind of complex in that way. So to answer your question, uh, I don't know. I think Bonnie Vare's 715 Creeks is really phenomenal. Uh, not just lyrically, but also musically. Mr. November is a really great song by The National, but I think probably my favorite song by them has got to be The Geese of Beverly Road. But that's more music-wise anyway, because um, I think the lyrics in that song are really subtle. I also really like how in uh, Frightened Rabbit, I know his first name is Scott. I don't know the last name of that lead singer, but he when he, like, yeah, he just is... He just wrote really, really cleverly, I think. Like the lyrics are super clever and tongue in cheek. And he can also really paint a, just a fantastic image. Um, like there's this song off of their like last album that's called Death Dream. And he sets up this, this image of, of uh, like the death dream that he had. And, it's, and he calls it a painting of a panic attack. And that's what the album is called. And if that isn't poetry, then like, I don't know what, what poetry is like that. It's even that verse alone is just so phenomenal. So music's definitely huge for sure. My favorite poem is The Cask of Amontillado. Classic. Yeah. I guess we'll switch it over to like, I guess a bit of a, it's just going to be a bit of a change here. Uh, do you have like a biggest accomplishment in your poetry career? so far that's really hard because and then i have to kind of like pump my own tire a little bit and i really don't like doing that <laughs> it's also hard to know like i don't know maybe i define what i think is a big success completely differently than other people would and and maybe other people's perception of my success is what I, I don't know like success is a hard thing or accomplishment is a hard that those are hard things to define 
but I think if it comes down to like satisfaction, um, this is so cheesy, I'm sorry. But I think what is most satisfying to me, and this is funny because I don't want to teach because in classrooms, there's like, there's always in like regular classrooms, there's always people who don't want to be there. And that's just like soul crushing to me, trying to like feed information into somebody who doesn't want to take it. And I don't like that might be way too defeating for me to to be a teacher. So good on all teachers, because like that's so hard to deal with. But in places where I can teach when people actually want to be there, that's huge for me, I think. And I love those experiences. And so probably one of the things that I think that makes me feel like I've done something or makes me satisfied or feel like I've accomplished something is, and I guess I shouldn't take all the credit because it's definitely all of your hard work as well. But when I think back on the first year that I, that, that I was working with the, with the PK Poets Club to this year and listening and reading their poetry, like, God, those kids are just such good writers now. And it just makes me feel like I've done something sort of maybe a little bit right. Even though it's it's also clearly the majority of that is their hard work and their work ethic and and their own creativity and self-practice and stuff like that. Um, but it, I do kind of feel like I at, at some point did set up an environment which made it conducive to write. And feedback is always huge for, for writers as well. And I always try to give really good feedback. So I I don't know. That kind of feels like an accomplishment. I certainly think it is. I think that just in like the one or two years I was there, it was phenomenal being able to like talk to someone who like understands poetry beyond like making like 20 kids just like read it out and write sentences about it in class, you know? Yeah, certainly some teachers are more into it than others, and that's okay. Everyone has their own preferences. Yeah. Uh, have you had any struggles uh, in your career? I mean, right now is a big one, I oh, guess. Yeah, yeah, for uh, I'm, since I graduated, I'm trying to find some semblance of normalcy of how to spend most of my time trying to find a job that lets me live <laughs> and also gives me enough time in my day to write. And trying to find any kind of job right now is super difficult. Mm -hmm. um, regardless of what some people think, like it's, it's really tough because I don't wanna just work any kind of random job like, like anybody else. They wanna, like you wanna do something that's related to what you studied and also is satisfying and so I don't know the arts is definitely not um, hiring right now um, so that's a struggle also I guess I'm beginning the more professional aspect of my career um, like I would consider myself an emerging to a maybe partially established artist but I, I don't know if I'm super established yet because it's not it's not um, a career yet and that is also a really hard thing to do is to make arts and art a career because regardless of how much people want to consume it, the money thing 
you know, that money thing is just always really hard to swallow and is especially hard to swallow when it comes to arts. It feels like, which is, I don't know, it's just what it is. Yeah, there's a, like, there's lots of struggles. I also struggle with chronic pain and that makes playing instruments super, super difficult. Um, which also like limits my career in a certain way because that means that I can't really be a performing musician, which was a huge part of my life before. And I used to make money doing that. And now I clearly can't do that. So that's also a real struggle. That's, that's so sad. Yeah, that's okay. No pity needed. It's okay. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> I kind of feel bad asking this next question, but what's your favorite line from one of your poems? No, don't feel bad. That's okay. Um, I'm like, I've been dealing with this for a while and like anyone, like anyone who has, who has like health issues or pain issues or whatever, like it becomes a part of your life. And also I, last summer I was, working with a scholar who who works within disability studies and that was really interesting for me and one of the like what i understand to be the main mantras um of disability studies is that everyone if they live long enough will it's at some point face disability in some sense that's just what aging is and i think that we think we're all a lot more resilient than we are physically, but really like these like meat sacks aren't really, they're not machines, you know? So it's okay, don't feel bad. I just wanted to put that um, addendum on there. It's hard to come back to your question though, about the favorite line thing. That's really hard. It's a really hard question. Because I usually think of poems like, like the gift in themselves, I guess. Like I think about them as like this, this whole entity that's like wrapped up in a nice bow. And so trying to tell you my favorite line from one of them is kind of strange because even if I think about it for a while and I come up with a line, I'm like, wow, that isn't good without the context of the whole poem. So um, I guess though, there's... I don't know. I so there's two lines that come to mind. Do you want me just to pick one or yeah, fire, fire away. Say whatever you want to say. Like we could rephrase the question to just like a favorite poem that you've that's an heard even or question. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, I suppose. Ah, uh, this is so hard to pick. But what? Okay, let's just go with with this poem. Um. I really like the line in this poem called I in the present break in Germany that I wrote. I really like the line. I imagine what my heart must look like and angrily eat apples to reverse years of damage. And that line is contextualized by the one that comes before it, which is, will hospitals 3D print anatomically correct hearts? I envision doctors slicing open the finished models so the patients owning the originals can see inside. I imagine what my heart must look like and angrily eat apples to reverse years of damage. And this poem um, is kind of about what, what it's like to, to like see yourself changing in a situation that you can't share with somebody else. And then 
to try and understand how that can affect the relationship that you have with somebody and whether or not you can manage um, to work past that or like to to like reconcile the things that have become important to you and the person that you've become with like the person with whom you're in a relationship any kind of relationship and the person that they knew before so like does that make any sense yeah sort of yeah so so like i don't know if you change in a certain way and you still want to maintain this relationship you have with somebody you have to figure out some kind of way to make it also worth their while you know like you have to make it so that the person that you become also tracks with what they want or what works for them and so that poem is kind of like also about coming to terms with what happens when that isn't the case like what happens when you can't when they're like when that doesn't work anymore and when you become too too different of a person wow that's very that's very nice. relatable really <laughs> change yeah. uh, who, who, who would you say has been your uh biggest supporter it can be more than one person <sighs> this is a hard question because i don't want to make anyone who's also been a huge supporter of mine upset that i didn't mention them oh. because i'm sure there are people that I'm not thinking of right now and I'm going to kick myself like half an hour from now being like, why didn't I say that name? And also there's like, I'm sure there's people who have supported me and done things for me that have helped me tremendously of which I'm not even aware and of whom I'm not even aware. Like the six degrees of separation thing is totally real. <laughs> like I'm, I'm sure there are people who, who have, who've done things for me and I'm never going to know their names and maybe they don't even know mine. They didn't know they helped me to like, but it was an endless, a tremendous indirect effect. And so biggest supporter is, is tough to say, I guess the first, like, of course, all my family, um, I have, I have the luck to have a really, really supporting family, but like the first name that specifically comes to mind is probably Karen Mahili. Oh. Um, just because we have so much history together and because she was was an educator to me for a long time and then became a sort of colleague of mine because we worked together to coach the PK Poetry Club. Um, but she coached my poetry club, the poetry club I was in when I was in high school as well. And so, yeah, she's like worn a lot of hats um, and still wears multiple hats to to help me out and support me in lots of really really meaningful ways and so i suppose i that's a pretty fair name to throw out if i'm only going to throw out one what kind of things have you done in the greater like saint albert community in the poetry community i know that there's a lot so you don't necessarily have to say them all you can just say the first thing that comes to your head i mean so i've i've obviously coached the pk poetry club um and that's a huge part it's honestly a huge part of my week, generally. Um, and I, th I think also a huge part of, like, what I do in the poetry community in St. Albert. Um, 
I also, I perform a lot. I organize open mics. I've organized writing workshops, lots. I volunteer with the Santa Barbara Cultivates the Arts Society, which is the, and we're a committee who organizes Culture Days, which is an annual celebration of the arts um, that is across Canada. So we organize St. Albert's rendition of those events. Um, and I've hosted events with those and like, I suppose mediated them or whatever, been there for whoever was hosting them and organized lots of those events. Um, yeah, I perform a lot. I've performed from everywhere to open mics to the Santa Bert Mayor Celebration of the Arts. Um, I also perform lots in Edmonton as well for different festivals. Um, like Skirts of Fire is one that I've done recently. EPF as well, Edmonton Poetry Festival. Um, I also work with other poets, which is cool. Um, I've done like not only mentorship wise with the PK poets, but um, also with collaborations with different artists like Ari Zach. I've done um, a huge project with her, which was really awesome. We made like, we did this huge performance and we made this music poetry album, which um, you can buy CDs or cassettes from me. Um, there's more information on my website and um, you can also listen to it on SoundCloud, uh, which is also on my website, which is just juliaelsorensen.com. I'm sure you'll, there, there'll be information about that later, but um, so I've done that. I also like for the greater poetry community, I think, I don't think it's very like self-centered to say that I write as well. Like that's, I contribute to the poetry community and the fact that I'm a part of it and I do things in it. Like I write, so that's a huge part of it as well. Yeah, I also like participated academically a lot. Like I did, I took all of the University of Alberta's poetry classes, I think. And those have been, like those were really phenomenal in not, not only understanding how to learn better, but also how to use poetry to understand things that are really, really difficult to wrap your mind around and that don't really have easy answers. Like I took, like Write 494 was, like it was Poetics of Treaty, that was the subject title. And so we worked through like Nehiawewen, which means Cree. So we worked through Nehiawewen terms of treaty to like understand how, understand indigenous understandings of treaty, which are really, really difficult to understand without that kind of like linguistic framework. Um, or to understand in the English linguistic framework, but it's a little bit easier when you can when you can wrap your mind about it around it with a like a poetic frame of reference because it's less that's less about finding like ultimate truth and goodness and correctness um, in situations that don't really allow for that and don't where there is lots of misunderstanding and and intentional violence and things like that. And so like, these are really, really, really difficult things, um, but poetry kind of makes them easier sometimes. Wow, man, the way you just word everything is just so beautiful. Uh, <laughs> everything you say is a poem. Oh God, well, at least I'm, at least I'm uh, living up to my reputation then. 
so what future goals do you have uh, like uh, where do you see yourself in the next five 10 20 to 30 100 years oh well okay i can tell you in 100 years i'm gonna be dead okay good to set goals um, for yourself <laughs> this is one thing i know um i don't know i don't i don't really I'm not going to say that I'm a goal setting expert because I am certainly not, but I do find that, I don't know, like, while I understand that smart goals, like specific and measured and whatever the hell the rest of those things mean, like I recognize that those are very useful goals. It's kind of, it's kind of hard to set up those kind of goals when it comes to this kind of career, because I feel like a lot of it is based on, on chance like I could set a goal for 20 years from now of what like I don't know being more recognized like you know it's kind of a weird thing to set goals for a goal of mine would be to publish a poetry book um to write a novel those things are probably going to happen fairly soon I don't know I it's also yeah like I have a goal of having a having a job that will help, will let me pay bills and live the way that I want to live and also let me write. But these things, like these things are really hard to come by and that also has to do with a lot of the outside world and like sometimes setting goals that are so reliant on the, on, on external factors is really defeating because like I can't control those. And so, I don't know, I find it more useful to, to set general goals of of like, okay, so if I can, if I can say that I, I don't know, like if I can maintain a work status to myself, like if I can say that about myself, then that's, then that's me succeeding, I guess. Or like, if I can, if I can say that I accomplished something and that I affected other people um, through poetry or through teaching or whatever, then that's like, that's another goal that I have is to like, so I, I don't know. I set very general goals like that. Um, so I don't set like time measured goals. I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, but, but that's, yeah. So five, 10, 20 years is not really how I think about that. Um, yeah. That's very realistic of you. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Uh, and then kind of a reverse of this question, if you could meet any poet uh, throughout history uh, that includes modern history, uh, who, who, who would you meet? Do they have to be dead? No, just like anybody. Like, okay, we can be more realistic about it then. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, I don't know. Um when when it when we come to like when we think about meeting poets from history there are a number of people who i would love to meet um and love to talk to but then i think about the mechanics of that and the prejudices that we will both like myself and the poet whom i'm meeting will share and i just kind of get turned off with the whole idea like you know the the like don't meet your hero idea is probably something that um tracks here so i don't know if i'd want to meet like 
Emily Dickinson or something like that. Like, I don't know if I would, if I'd want to, like, I can just, I'm just going to sit here in my 21st century and leave her in her century. And that's fine. Um, and I'll read her poetry and be happy about it. <laughs> but, um, but I, there, I guess like I would be down to meet, I don't know, the, I feel like if I were to meet a poet who's still alive right now, it would be so that I could do a project with them um, more than anything else. Because I think like when it comes to poet, poets and their poetry, like their poetry is what's designed to represent their voices. So I don't know. I don't know if like conversation would be so use useful. I don't, maybe it would be, who knows? Um, so if I would were to meet someone who would want to do a project, like, I don't know, feel like I'd love to talk to Ocean Vuong about his writing and his poetry. He's phenomenal. Um, so like, I would love to do a project with him. That'd be cool. Um, there are a couple other writers, uh, poets that I, have met briefly they probably don't remember that i've met them but it might be cool to meet those poets in a more like not classroom setting <laughs> um like billy ray belcourt is a poet um whom i also think is like such a good writer and jordan abel as well um, and I've, they've both presented in classes of mine and I have contacted Jordan Abel before. Um, but the, I don't know, the, the situation wasn't really one where we could just like have a conversation. It was more like them presenting or me asking for something. And so it would be cool to have a conversation with them about, about poetry in a, with without that kind of context maybe right yeah i don't know that's a hard question i don't know fair enough um do you have any closing words you'd like to say to everyone who's heard this um if you got this far thanks for listening <laughs> uh do you have any advice for younger or just poets that oh, are just starting out um don't be intimidated if you're like first six notebooks of writing suck don't like, don't be intimidated by that. Because, well, like, 100%, I got, like, <laughs> probably eight notebooks of poetry that just sucks. Well, uh, back in PK Poets' time when I was there, we'd always hear, like, write something every day, yeah. even if it sucks. Thanks, so. MH. <laughs> Gotta love Karen Mahili. All right. Well, thanks yep. for doing this thank interview so with us. Yeah, thank you for giving me the opportunity. This was fun. Thanks for listening. If you want to know more about what Julia is up to, follow her on social media. That's Julia L. Sorensen, and that's Sorensen, S-O-R-E-N-S-E-N. We'll be posting more podcasts soon, so follow us here for that. And if you want to see more from Amplify, make sure to follow the Instagram at Amplify Festival or any other social media so you don't miss anything. Catch you on the flippity flop. <laughs>